Please open your Bibles to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. I'm going to read and preach verses 6 and 7 this evening. We've been working our way, our way slowly through this particular psalm here and there on Sunday evenings. This psalm is about who God is for us and how we should live in light of who He is as His people. He is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble, and therefore we should not fear, come what may. He is in the midst of us. He will help us when morning dawns. Therefore, we shall not be moved. Therefore, we can be glad, come what may. That's what we've looked at so far in this psalm. This evening, we'll consider what the next few verses say about the world versus God and the church in the presence of God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer together, and then we'll begin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling us out of the world and into the church. Thank you for transferring us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved Son. We pray that as we look at these verses together this evening that you would teach us and sanctify us in the truth, transform us by the renewal of our minds, and thoroughly equip us for every good work that you have prepared in advance for us to walk in this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 46, verses 6 and 7. This is God's word. The nations rage... The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Again, two points we'll consider together this evening. The world versus God and the church in the presence of God. The world versus God is what verse 6 is about, and there are three things we should notice in this verse. The first two are about the world, and the third is about God. First, it says there at the beginning of verse 6, that the nations rage. The nations rage. The nations are in an uproar. The nations here refers to the world, to unbelievers, to the ungodly, to fallen mankind in rebellion against God. The nations rage against God. It doesn't say that explicitly here. It just says the nations rage. But since it goes on to talk about God's response to their rage, we can reasonably infer that their rage is against God. The nations rage against God. The nations are united against God. The nations should worship God. The nations should serve God. The nations should love God, but instead the nations rage against God. Psalm 2 talks about this in the opening verses of the psalm. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. And against his anointed, saying, 
Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. The nations of the world, the peoples of the earth, rage against God, plot against the Lord. The nations rage against God. The nations also rage against the people of God. The seed of the serpent wages war against the seed of the woman. The city of man fights against the city of God. John Calvin said, The church of God is never without enemies. And these very powerful, and such as consequently fight against her with cruel and unbridled fury. The world fights against the church. But the church will always be stronger than the world. And the church is stronger than the world because God is stronger than the devil. And as 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So no matter how much the world may rage against us, our confidence is in God. He will uphold us. He will fight for us. Like we sing together, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear... For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. The nations rage against the people of God. The nations rage against God. But though they rage against God, God rules over them. Like down in verse 10 of Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God rules over the nations by his providence. As the Shorter Catechism says, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. God preserves the nations even as they rage against Him. God governs the nations even as they rage against Him. He governs all His creatures and all their actions. So no matter how intensely the nations rage against God, no matter what they do against Him, they can only carry out his sovereign plan. Just like in the book of Acts regarding the crucifixion of Christ, Acts 2, 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So the worst rage against the Lord's anointed The crucifixion and murder of Jesus was carried out according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Or Acts 4, 24 through 28. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, 
quoting Psalm 2 now, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So the nations raged against Christ, but when they raged against Christ, they were just doing whatever God's hand and God's plan had predestined to take place. They are responsible for their rage and will be held accountable to God for their rage, but God rules over their rage and continues to exercise his sovereign dominion over all. Daniel 4, 34 and 35, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? The nations rage against God, but God rules over the nations. God's plan is to conquer the nations, either in salvation or in judgment. His plan is to conquer the nations in salvation, like he told Abraham in Genesis 12, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Or as Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Or at the beginning of the book of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And as we read in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And at the very end of the book, at the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 2, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The nations rage against God, but God rules over the nations, and he will conquer them either in salvation through the gospel or finally in judgment for all who are unrepentant. The second thing we're told about the world here in verse 6 is that the kingdoms totter, which could be saying something similar to the nation's rage. It could be translated, the kingdoms were moved, meaning moved in rage. But it's more likely that it means that the kingdoms of the world totter, as the ESV translated. That is, the kingdoms of the world fall. They rise, and they reign, and they fall. The history books are really an extended commentary on this phrase, kingdoms rise and rule and reign, but invariably they totter and they fall. The Assyrian Empire, 
the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, Rome. The details are different, but the story is the same. They rise, they reign, and then they fall. The kingdoms totter, God's word says. The strongest kingdoms of this world will surely fall. But God and his word and his people will stand forever. The kingdom of God will never totter. That's one of the reasons we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of self is one of those kingdoms that will surely totter. The kingdom of God will endure forever. The third thing in verse 6 is about God. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but what does God do? He utters his voice, the earth melts. This is God's response to the raging nations and the tottering kingdoms. Again, like in Psalm 2, verses 4 through 6, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Joel chapter 2, verse 11, The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Or chapter 3 of Joel, verse 16. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. One of the great psalms that underscores the power of the voice of the Lord is Psalm 29. I would encourage you to turn back to Psalm 29 for just a minute. And keep in mind our phrase, he utters his voice from Psalm 46. Psalm 29, I'll read starting at verse 3 and read down through verse 9. Again, keeping in mind, he utters his voice. Verse 3, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare, and in his temple all cry glory. God's voice, God's word is powerful. The word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. That's why we read it and preach it and memorize it and meditate on it. 
Think of the power of God's word in creation. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. We see the power of God's word in creation. We also see the power of God's word in redemption. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Or 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Perhaps another verse has come to your mind, Hebrews 4, 12, frequently memorized verse. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Or we could think about Psalm 19 that we've considered in the past together in the sermon series. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's what God's word does in us. We see the power of God's word in redemption, in our own redemption. Both in our initial salvation and in our ongoing sanctification. Jesus calmed the wind and the waves with a word. And he calms the storms of our hearts also with a word. With a word of truth or a word of promise from the written word of God. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. God's response is to utter his voice. And our response today to the world around us is a spiritual response. Not a physical response. We don't take up arms against the world as Christians, as the church. It's a spiritual response. We preach the gospel and pray for fruit. Our weapons are not swords and shields, but the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What happens when God utters His voice? The earth melts. And the imagery here is either of the physical earth melting before the power of God's word or perhaps of the people of the earth 
melting before the power of God's word. Like in Joshua 2, 24. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Or Amos 9, 5 through 6. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. So the word of God is not weak. It is not ineffective. It is not unfruitful. It is powerful. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so our confidence is not in our words, but in God's words. Because the word of God is powerful. The word of God is living and active. And the word of God is mightier than sin. Mightier than Satan. Mightier than the whole world. And so we trust the word. We trust the Lord. Well, that's the world versus God. How about the church in the presence of God? Point number two, the church in the presence of God. You know, we used to be on the side of the world, but by God's grace, we're now on the side of God. God conquered us and saved us and changed us. He called us out of the world and into the church. And now we're no longer in verse 6. We're in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord, Yahweh, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God of Israel, He is with us, His people. And He is the Lord of hosts, either hosts of angels or hosts of the armies of Israel. Psalm 24, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Numbers 14, 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. We are not by ourselves as the people of God. We are not alone 
on this journey. Yes, we have each other, and that can be a great comfort and a great encouragement to us, but most importantly, we have the Lord. And what a comfort and an encouragement that can be to us. Like in The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, Bilbo and the dwarves or Frodo and his friends always felt better when Gandalf was with them, if you've read the stories. Or in the Chronicles of Narnia, the children always felt better when Aslan was with them. Or kids, if you've been afraid of the dark at night, don't you always feel better when your mom or your dad are with you? Well, how much more comforting and encouraging can it be for us to know that God himself is with us? And he will never leave us. He will always be with us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember Jesus' words at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God who rules and reigns over the nations is with us. The God whose word is more powerful than anything is with us. The God who is full of grace and truth, he is with us. The God who is our shepherd and our friend and our exceeding joy is with us. The God in whose presence is fullness of joy and at whose right hand are pleasures forevermore, he is with us. He is not against us. We are no longer against him. He is for us. He is with us. We are his people. The second half of verse 7 adds, The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's think about that as we draw to a close this evening. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who was Jacob's God and the God who also was the God of his people throughout the Old Testament will be our God. The God before whom Jacob walked and before whom we now walk. The God who was Jacob's shepherd all his life long and who will be our shepherd all our life long, all the days of our life. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our refuge. He is our stronghold. He is our strong tower. Like a castle we can run into and be safe from our enemies. And no enemies, no matter how strong they are, can conquer this castle. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark 
never failing. Our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. We need a fortress in the wilderness of this fallen world. In our battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need somewhere we can go to find refuge. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. The one we can go to. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I'm sure we all have things in our life right now that tempt us to be anxious, that tempt us to be worried and stressed and afraid. Maybe some of those things are coming to your mind right now. But think about this. If God is with you, if God is your fortress, you don't have to be anxious about anything. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to be stressed about anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Don't think, what if I can't handle this situation? Everything is falling apart around me. Don't think, what if I can't pay the bills? What if we don't have what we need? Don't think, what if something happens to my spouse or my children? Don't think, what if? Think, what is? What is true about God? What is His promise? What is my hope and my confidence in this situation? Not what if, but what is true? Think, God is with me. God is my fortress. Put your trust in Him, and He will give you all the help you need. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for calling us out of the world and into the church. We know that the nations do rage and the kingdoms of the world totter. And you utter your voice, your word, and the earth melts before the power of your word. We thank you for those truths. We thank you that you are with us and that you are our fortress. Help us to call those truths to mind in the week ahead as we go through each day. We know there will be challenges we will face and many temptations, but we also know that you are with us and you are our fortress. So help us to trust in you and to live for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.